Hey guys, in this episode, um, I talk about suicide, so uh, there's that. This is, uh, I'm sorry if this episode is a bummer, and I've had to say that a few times, and I apologize for that in advance if this is too real or uh, if this is too serious, but this situation is very real and very serious, and I believe something needs to be said, and uh, this is my attempt at uh, to bring in light to this situation and to maybe help prevent it in any way that I can. Um, also, you should know this going into it that I actually tell a story of my brush with uh, an attempt at suicide and. Uh, I, if you're not interested in hearing things like that, then maybe this episode might not be for you. Um, if you have had any sort of thought or do have any sort of thought uh, about suicide or leaving this earth or whatever way you want to talk about it, by all means, listen to this episode, talk to me. If you have nobody else to talk to, talk to me, uh, your friends, your family, somebody in your family, somebody that you know that you trust, talk to them. And if you'd rather not talk to somebody that you know, then please call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Again, that is 1-800-273-8255. This is a huge deal, and uh, I'm literally just trying to, if, if this hypothetical boat is sinking, then I'm trying to scoop out a thimble at a time with as many people that hear this message. So, just uh, like I said at the end of the episode, I love you. If you don't think there's anybody in the world that loves you, you're wrong because I do. And I know in my heart that I'm not the only one in the world that feels that way. Uh, You are loved and you are important. You have a place here in this world. And you are important and you are loved. I'm going to leave it at that. For your watch and listen this week, instead of giving you music and movies, I suggest that you watch and listen to those people around you and the people that you spend time with. Watch for symptoms of uh, suicidal thoughts or tendencies and please, if you see something, say something. If you, if you notice somebody having these thoughts, say something. So, be upfront with you. This one is... Uh, This one's a little rough. Uh, so, even in writing the uh, even in writing the bullet points for this one, it um, yeah, just just be warned. This one this one is real. So I'm gonna get straight to it. Um, suicide is a huge problem in our country, and in uh, and, and, and I mean maybe the world, but I didn't. I, I got stats for the country, not the world. So uh, it's a huge problem. The numbers are ridiculous. So 
44,965 people commit suicide every year in America. And for every successful suicide, there are 25 attempts. For every suicide that's successful, there are 25 more attempts that are unsuccessful. So here's the math on that. 1,124,125 people attempted with 44,965 successful. And this is from Wikipedia. In 2016, there were 44,965 recorded suicides, which was up from 42,773 in 2014. And this is according to the uh, CDC's National Center for Health Statistics. On average, adjusted for age, the annual U.S. suicide rate increased 24% between 1999 and 2014 from 10.5 to 13 suicides per 100,000 people. I don't know where they get the half from, but that's the highest rate that's been recorded in 28 years. And I'm not sure a specific reason why the, uh, why the suicide rates are so high. Uh, that may be a question for Alicia when she comes on, but I've got a chart here from the, from the CDC that uh, suicide is the number two cause of death from people from 10 to 34. The number four cause of death from people from 35 to 54. The number eighth from 55 to 64. And the number 10 cause of death of all ages. It's a huge deal. It's a horrible thing. And there's there's not... Um, there's not a whole lot that's being done about it and I'm not sure, uh, I'm not, I'm not sure if this, if I know that this may not ever reach the masses one day, but I want to at least do my part with this thing. Um, so my sister told, told me, after we finished our gig in Bennettsville on Thursday that Kate Spade had committed suicide. And um, I didn't know who Kate Spade was. I'm going to be honest with you. I did not know who Kate Spade was. Um, my sister held up her purse and showed me the name. And then I realized, I put two and two together. I realized that she's a designer or whatever. And, and then I'm thinking... This girl has to be pretty financially stable. She has to be pretty, uh, pretty well off. And I mean, obviously she's loved by a lot of people. Like, I mean, uh, I don't see a lot of people speaking negatively about, uh, a designer, but then again, this is obviously all of this is in, 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 uh, people's head, which we're getting into shortly. But I, I like I say, I'm thinking that, uh, she had to be a very well-known person. I mean, uh, or that she was a very well-known person had to be a very well-loved person. And, uh, I'm sure that a lot of people respected her for, uh, for what she gave the world in, uh, in the designer realm. So I'm like beginning to realize that a lot of my issues came from uh, financial struggles or uh, 
just things of that sort. And I'm realizing that maybe that's, that alone won't keep people here. And I immediately thought back to Robin Williams and, um, I don't know anybody more loved than Robin Williams. And, uh, I, I, Robin Williams was my favorite stand-up comedian and one of my favorite actors. And every time that I thought of Robin Williams, I thought happy. And that's, I would bet, 90% of the people who thought of Robin Williams probably thought that he was a very happy person. And uh, one would think so. And um, I realized again that, you know, just that's not enough. Like he had to have known how loved he was. He had to have known how much people loved him and he had to know how important he was in the world, but that wasn't enough to keep him around. And, uh, another person who was universally loved was Anthony Bourdain. When I woke up to that news on Friday, I immediately cried. And it's not really because I was a huge Anthony Bourdain fan, but it was because usually after a celebrity commits suicide, the rate in America skyrockets by by 10% in the four months after uh, Robert Williams committed suicide anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, in just the months following Robin Williams, there was a 10% spike in suicides and that's just the saddest stat ever. And I'm sorry if this episode is just an absolute bummer and I apologize if, if, uh, if that's what happens, but I, I feel the need to say something about this. I have to say something and I, and so do you who, anybody who sees this or anybody who, uh, who witnesses anything or any, anything going on in people's lives. It's our responsibility to, to say something. It's our responsibility to take the proper course of action, to try our damnedest to reverse all of this shit that's going on. So I loved Anthony Bourdain as much as the next person. I watched hours of video on how to cook like certain things or, or just to, especially since I've been doing a lot of cooking at home lately, I still haven't done the fast food thing. And I, I've ever since I've said I have, I, I, I was done with it. I haven't. And, uh, I've watched hours of video on how to cook things and, and Anthony Bourdain showing me how to do certain shit on YouTube. And this is like just, uh, he was a brilliant mind and honest and, uh, it, it was just very, he was very also very matter of fact about drug use in the, in the, uh, service industry or the restaurant industry. And, uh, I can't help but think that that must have had a hand in why he did what he did. He <clears throat> had to have had a hand in his decision. He was a self-admitted alcoholic and a cocaine and heroin addict in recovery. And I know firsthand that, that, that having an issue with substance abuse can put your mind in a very, very bad place. <clears throat> so... Here's my story. Recycle your plastics.
I've always felt very mentally unstable, and I've always been pretty vocal about that. I'm not going to bore you guys again with the with the the story of uh, stories of drinking and drugs, but because you get it, I've already said this enough. But during my darkest years of drinking, my mind started considering not hanging around anymore. So uh, it's very weird to talk about because I'm not sure if I've ever said any of these things out loud, uh, especially not to, to this sort of an audience, but, um, I'm not sure that there's maybe five people who've even heard this story. So, um, yeah. Um, my, my, all right. My subconscious was not happy with my place in the world. And my subconscious was having these thoughts and uh, had, that had considered leaving this world. So it started small, started very small. And um, people would ask me how I was doing, and I would just say, I'm sick of the world and I want to die. And usually it would get a laugh because uh, that's the persona that I usually carry is, is, uh, I usually 99% of the things I say come from a place of comedy when I'm talking with people and, uh, it would get a big laugh every time I said it, but it would totally also not be a joke. And I was, I was serious. Like I was, I was sad. I, I wasn't, I was, unfulfilled. I was not feeling like I had done the right things with my life. And I was feeling like it was too late to make those changes. And I just really felt worthless and I was sick of the world and I wanted to die. I truly did. And I was also at this point drinking more than a half a bottle of rumple mints a day and I don't know if you guys are familiar with the juice, but it ain't uh, it ain't like vodka or whiskey or anything like that. This shit's a hundred proof, and it's Satan. Uh, it truly is. And I was doing that and taking any drug I could find or anything that was handed to me. I would do I would do whatever. I was I was literally living that uh, I living that life to the fullest, and. I was doing the worst I'd ever done in my life financially. I wasn't getting fulfillment from being with my friends. I was dumping alcohol and drugs on top of all that mentality. And it was a bad situation. So my granddad left me this double barrel shotgun after he passed away and I kept it for years. This is creepy for me to think about now. Uh, but it was this thing, y'all, I used to, this thing used to stay propped up against the headboard of my bed and I sleep on my, uh, I don't know my right from my left. Left side, left side, this left, left side. I sleep on my left side and, um, 
I used to literally sleep with this gun in my hand, like the barrel of this gun in my hand. And it's really creepy to think about now. But I did, and that was for years. For damn near all the years that I had it, that's how I slept. So um, I had a bad day once, and I came home, and I was drunk as shit. And as I was every day back then, and uh, I came home, and this thing was sitting next to me. I sat down on my bed, and this thing was sitting next to me. And uh, I grabbed it. I checked the barrel to make sure that it was not loaded. And I totally dry-fired this thing into my mouth. And I was like, that is so weird. I have, I've never said this stuff on this grand of a scale ever. Um, I started, I did that and I did it a few times, like back to back. And I just cried uncontrollably. And I just realized that, you know, that could have been it. Like, it, like it, 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 if that if that gun were loaded, it would be over right now. And I I've, I have not told any many people this at all. Um, I'm so sorry this is getting dark. I really apologize. But I this became like a daily thing. Like I was doing this regularly, like multiple times a day for a while. And every time I thought about killing myself, I would do that. You know, just to see what it felt like, uh, just to see, uh, I wanted to do this. I had pretty much, that idea had entered my brain, and I, I, I felt like doing that, and I, I, I just wanted to see what it felt like. So one day, it was around Thanksgiving, after a couple months of literally dry firing this thing in my mouth every day for a couple months, um... I bought a five pack of shells and, uh, a couple days go by and I don't even touch the gun during these couple days. And, uh, cause it was real then, you know, I couldn't touch, I couldn't touch the gun. I couldn't think about it or look at it cause it was real then, you know, I bought the shells. It, it, this was no longer just a drill. Like this was something that I had considered and I, I took action to go out and put forth these, uh, these things to, to, I, I planned on doing it and I, and I, I was, I was going to do it. I had made, I had made a decision and, uh, I, I had made a decision. That's all I can say about it. Um, so one day. I had just a bad day. I had a rough day and I was drunk one night. I was acting like an asshole and just, just really drunk. And I came home. Blair was living with me at the time, my roommate Blair and me and her got in a huge fight and I was just being a dick and, and just being unreasonable and just not being a good person and I decided, you know what, this, this, this is it. This is it. I've, I've made plans to do so and I'm going to do it. 
And uh, so I go to my room. Well, Blair, after we, me and Blair get in a fight, she goes to her room. I go to my room and I get get the gun and I walk through the house. I walk out the door and um, Blair comes out of her room as I'm walking out of the door. And uh, whenever she comes out of her room, she says, where are you going? I was just outside the door and I, I took the gun and I dropped it into the, uh, I laid it down into the little, uh, the little grass area we have there or the mulch in front of our house. I just dropped it into that and I said, nowhere. And in those few seconds of walking, actually grabbing the gun from my room, walking through the house, noticing that. Blair came out of her room, asked me where I was going, and me dropping the gun in the mulch and saying nowhere. In that few seconds of that happening, I started realizing that maybe this wasn't such a good idea. And um, the weight of what I was about to do actually, like, fell on my shoulders and changed my mind. And uh, Blair, rightfully so, was was scared and terrified, and she left. Uh, she she stayed somewhere else that night, and that's rightfully so. But when she left, I was sitting in a chair at the trash can with a knife, cutting open the shells and dumping them in the trash can. And I buy. I'm still very fucked up, for lack of a better term, at this time. So I'm drunk with shotgun shells in my hand, cutting them up, throwing them in the trash can. And my, my mind at this point was that I was doing that. So Blair would know that, that she was going away that I wouldn't, I wasn't going to do that. So, um, yeah, that, uh, after all that happened, after I realized that I was almost gone forever and i realized that that was almost it that was just about that was the time once i realized that i came to my senses i never touched the gun with those thoughts again um i even gave it to my dad a couple years ago like i don't even have it anymore or any gun which i don't you guys have heard how i feel about that recycle Recycle. <clears throat> so you guys know how I feel about that. I haven't had a gun in my possession for uh, a very long time, nor do I think I ever will. Maybe I don't. I don't know. Um, but I blame my dependency on alcohol and other things at that time in my life for for those thoughts. And I'm so glad that Blair was here because if she wasn't, maybe I wouldn't be. And, uh, that's a really, really sobering thought is, uh, is knowing that, that you almost, you almost weren't here, you know, like this could be over now. And I had that thought as I was sitting in a chair in the kitchen at the trash can, cutting up shotgun shells as Blair walked by to 
to go wherever she was going that night. And I, I played that scenario back in, back over in my head several times over the next few months after that. And there was a lot of crying and a lot of, uh, there was a lot of all kinds of, there was a lot of all kinds of shit going on in my head at that point. And I, at that point I decided it was probably time that I stopped drinking. And that was still even a few years before I actually quit, but that was 1 million percent the moment in which I decided it was time to, it's time to stop drinking. So, um, I tell you guys this story because you guys know me. You have known me for a long time. Most of the folks who are listening, most of my listeners have known me for a very long time. And I know for a fact that a few of the listeners knew me while I was having these thoughts. And I would bet my entire worth that... Anybody who met me during those times would have probably pegged me as one of the happiest people in the world who could take control of any room that he walked into and the life of the party. And I totally was that. And I, I tried to be. But there was a lot of darkness behind all of it as well. And uh, the old saying, I guess you really never know someone is much truer today because of uh, folks like Anthony Bourdain or Kate Spade or Chester Bennington or Chris Cornell or Robin Williams. And that list continues to go on and hopefully it doesn't get too much longer. Um, Robin Williams has a quote that says, I think the saddest people always try their hardest to make people happy because they know what it's like to feel absolutely worthless and they don't want anyone else to feel like that. And that is 100% true. I know what it feels like to be that sad and I don't want anybody else to, I don't want anybody else to feel like that. And so it, listen, if you feel sad, if you feel sad and you can hear me, talk to me, talk to me. I will talk to you. I will take in as much time as it takes to keep you in this world. If you feel sad, talk to me. I'm 100% willing to do that. Whatever, whatever takes it necessary. Talk to, talk to a parent or a friend or somebody who you trust, or even if it's a situation that you don't want to to let a lot of people know where your mind is. If you want to keep this discreet, by all means, call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-8255. I'll do a sports talk uh, commercial for you for this all day long. This is something that people need to understand there people love you you are loved people need you in the world people want you in the world there are and if you think somebody if somebody is out there and they're thinking oh nobody loves me i listen i love you i love you in this world and i'm not the only one like me there are more people in this world who do not know you who love you and i'm i, I know that this is a huge thought but this is very very true Listen, like, 
this is just this is a huge situation. Something needs to be done about it. Something needed to be said. I'm sorry if this is a bummer again. Uh, really sorry if this is a if this is a bummer. If this is just too heavy for you to listen to, but um, I, I feel like people need to hear this, and that's that's where I stand on this. So. This is all I have for you today. This is um, a very, very serious episode. So in light of that, I'm not going to give you something to listen to and to watch this week. Rather, I'm going to tell you to listen to the people around you. Watch the people around you. Watch your friends. Listen to your friends. If they have any of these tendencies or any of these uh, symptoms of people who are having suicidal thoughts or or anything like that say something like don't let there be a time in which something could have been done and wasn't like watch and listen closely to the people around you and to your friends and to the people that you love and uh just keep a close eye on them because this is a shit situation that we're in with uh with this suicide uh, epidemic that we're having and it's getting worse every year every year there's more people and because of the 10% spike in the few months that followed Robin Williams suicide it's almost uh, expected that the suicide rate is going to be raised um, now due to Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain and uh that's just sad, and I want to do. I want to do anything that I can to help offset that uh, that sadness, or that that uh, to help offset that statistic. So, this is my feeble attempt at that. Please share this episode if you uh, if you care at all about anybody around you. Please share this so that people can can know that there are other folks out there who have been through this and and survived Uh, i have 100 been that person who almost did it and did not and i can assure you that i am uh i am a better person today because of that uh uh, not, not a better person today because of that situation. That sounds awful, but I am 100% better today than I was at the time in which I had those thoughts. And that's the point that I'm trying to make. Don't misunderstand that, I, that I'm saying that I'm a better person because I almost committed suicide. But I am a better person today than I was on the day when I had the, the, those thoughts. And just there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is there is happiness that you can find. And I still consider myself a, a largely depressed person. And I, and I, I probably always will be due to uh, just, just my nature. But I'm to the point now to where I, I, I have control over this beast. And I've found out a way in which I have control over this beast. So... Uh, 
talk to somebody. If you don't have anybody to talk to, talk to me. If you'd rather not talk to anybody that you know, call 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-TALK. Call the Suicide Prevention uh, Lifeline and someone, 24 hours a day, there's someone there who will answer and talk to you. So, you're not in this thing alone, and I love you. And I'm going to leave it at that. I love you. And I'm not the only one. <laughs>